0: Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast. Relevant and engaging content designed to help you dominate the day.
1: Hello, Behind the Knife listeners. We're excited to announce the next edition to our Behind the Knife premium offerings, the Cardiothoracic Surgery Oral Board Review. Each scenario includes two parts. Part A is a perfectly executed oral board scenario that mimics the real thing. Scenarios are 5 to 7 minutes long and include a variety of tactics and styles. If you are able to achieve this level of performance in your preparation, you are sure to pass the oral exam with flying colors. Part B introduces high-yield commentary to each scenario. For those of you that used our General Surgery Oral Board Review Series, the format will be very familiar. When you hear this sound, that indicates the start of the high-yield commentary. This commentary includes tips and tricks to help you dominate the most challenging scenarios in addition to practical, easy-to-understand teaching that covers the most confusing topics based on the cardiothoracic surgery exam. Then, when you hear this sound, that indicates we are returning back to the exam scenario. We are confident that you will find this unique, dual-format approach a highly effective way to prepare for the test. I'm pleased to be joined by the lead editor for the project, Dr. John Cuckelman. John, what led you to want to be involved in this project?
2: Thanks, Jason, And a big thank you to everyone at Behind the Knife for lending us cardiothoracic surgeons the Behind the Knife platform and the staff. While I was preparing for my CT oral boards, it became obvious to me that there was a need for a course such as the one we provide here. What is unique about this platform is that it is the only place where CT surgery trainings can hear an example of a perfectly executed oral board scenario, followed by an in-depth explanation of that scenario's topics. It also includes examples of alternate scenarios, as well as what things are acceptable to say and what pitfalls you absolutely want to avoid when taking the exam. All told, we brought you 43 high-yield 5-7 to minute scenarios that, if mastered, will ensure your ability to pass the cardiothoracic oral board exam come test day. Behind the Knife Premium Patent ductus arteriosus Author Brian Bateson. Examiner Brian Bateson. Examinee John Cuckleman.
0: You are performing a mitral valve replacement in a 60-year-old male. You have arrested and as you are making your left atriotomy, you notice significant amount of pulmonary venous return. You attempt to place suckers in the field to improve your visualization, but are struggling to see the mitral valve. How do you proceed?
2: So I'd systematically inspect the components of the uh, bypass circuit on the field to ensure that there aren't any issues there. Uh, I would also check to see if the right atrium was distended uh, and if there was an airlock decreasing venous drainage, ensure good positioning of the venous cannulas, elevate the table um, and try to use gravity for drainage. Uh, I would also turn on suction if I was still having issues on the bypass circuit. I would also look uh, and make sure that there wasn't a a, a persistent left superior vena cava. If no issues were identified uh, from that, I would then start to cool the patient to 32 degrees Celsius in order to decrease flows. You do all of this,
0: and there remains significant return obstructing your view and ability to proceed with the surgery. Is there anything else you can do?
2: Yeah. uh, Well, one other possibility is that the patient still has uh, a patent ductus arteriosus, uh, and that would account for the increased pulmonary venous return. So if that were the case, I'd ask for anesthesiologists to look at the TEE and evaluate specifically if there was a PDA. uh, And at the same time, I would then invert the anterior wall of the main pulmonary artery against the area of where the duct was seen uh, and see if that helps my pulmonary venous return.
0: The anesthesiologist reviews the TEE images and surprisingly notes a PDA that he had not seen before. He also notes that the duct appears calcified. What do you do next?
2: Well, this is an unfortunate surprise, and uh, that duct will need to be closed before proceeding with the rest of the mitral valve. So, uh, due to the fact that it's calcified, uh, it would not be safe to just simply ligate it. I would need to inform the perfusionist to begin cooling to 18 degrees Celsius in order to repair the duct uh, during a short period of, of circulatory rest. How would you close the PDA? So I would maintain that uh, inversion of the anterior wall that I did prior with the main PA um, onto the duct to prevent runoff uh, just so that we were able to effectively cool. Once we were down to 18 degrees Celsius, uh, I then placed my cross clamp Arrest the heart with anagreed cardioplegia, begin my period of circa arrest. Uh, I would then make a longitudinal incision along that main PA and expose the opening of the ductus. After that, I take a, a patch of bovine pericardium and suture that through the opening of the uh, PA that I made onto the duct, and, uh, effectively closing the ductus. Uh, I would then reinstitute cardiopulmonary bypass, close the pulmonary arteriotomy, and proceed with the mitral valve.
0: Okay, let us change the scenario. You were consulted by the NICU for a baby boy born at 30 weeks and currently weighs 1.5 kilograms. The NICU has struggled to wean the vent and asked for your opinion after they heard a murmur on exam. How would you evaluate the patient?
2: So I'd of course begin with a focused history of physical, specifically looking at the birth history, family history, any possible known cardiac conditions as well as any feeding issues. Uh, On exam, I would listen to the heart and lungs and pay close attention to the location and the timing of of the murmur. And then I would review uh, their chest x-ray and order a transthoracic echo.
0: There's no pertinent history. They report no feeding issues and report no episodes of suspected neck. On exam, you hear a machine-like holosystolic murmur. The chest x-ray shows cardiomegaly and associated increased pulmonary vascular markings. The TTE shows a PDA with left-to-right flow and left atrial dilation, and no other associated cardiac defects. How would you proceed?
2: So the first thing I'd want to do is try to uh, close this medically. So I would talk to the NICU about uh, attempting a closure using uh, medication. If that were not possible, then we would need to do a surgical closure. Um, I'd make sure that there were no contraindications to medical closure and uh, then proceed with giving Uh, acetaminophen.
0: You attempt medical closure with acetaminophen for five days, but no change in the size of the duct is noted on TTE. How would you perform surgical closure?
2: Uh, So for a surgical closure, I place the patient in the right lateral decubitus position and perform a left posterior lateral thoracotomy in the fourth intercostal space. Uh, I would open the pleura overlying the aorta and reflect it anteriorly uh, to retract the lung out of the way. I would then identify the descending aorta, aortic arch, left subclavian artery, the PDA, as well as the left pulmonary artery, and the recurrent laryngeal nerve. I would uh, perform minimal dissection around the PDA and test occlude the duct with fine forceps and look for improvement in the diastolic pressure. Once this was uh, confirmed, then I would ligate the duct with a single clip, and uh, I'd place a chest tube in close.
0: Okay, let's say you test occlude the duct and the patient acutely becomes hypotensive and hypoxic. What do you do?
2: So I'd begin by first releasing my test clamping and take the forceps off, Uh, but I would make sure that I I was absolutely certain that it was the PDA and not the left main pulmonary artery or the aorta, which can happen by mistake. Um, If I had occluded and was sure that it was the PDA, then I would be worried that the patient had some form of ductal-dependent circulation. Uh, so at that point, I would need to abort the procedure and continue um, to search out what that is with more diagnostic workup.
0: Okay. Same patient, but as you deploy the clip, a tear is made in the duct and seems to go back towards the LPA. There is a large volume of blood obscuring your view.
2: So... Um... I would need to first get that view back. So I would have my assistant place a sponge stick into the space uh, to try and tamponade the bleed. At the same time, I would open the pleura and trace the left PA back to the mediastinum and repair the tear in the left PA uh, with interrupted proline sutures. Okay, same patient. Surgery
0: is completed without issue. NICU calls you on post-op day three to tell you they have started feeding the child and milky fluid has started to drain from the chest tube.
2: So I'm suspicious that this is a chile leak, so I'd send the fluid for triglycerides and cell count. Once it was confirmed that it was a chile leak, I transitioned the child to a low-fat formula and continued to measure the chest tube output. If output remained high on a low-fat formula, I would make the patient NPO and start TPN. If the output still remained high, I would need to plan for a thoracic duct ligation.
0: You start a low-fat formula and the output decreases. You are able to remove the chest tube on post-operative day 7, and the child does well. Thank you. Be sure to listen to Part B for high-yield commentary and other tips and tricks.
1: Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket?
2: premium. Patent ductus arteriosus. Author, Brian Bateson. Examiner, Brian Bateson. Examinee, John Cuckleman. You are performing a
0: mitral valve replacement in a 60-year-old male. You have arrested and as you are making your left atriotomy, you notice significant amount of pulmonary venous return. You attempt to place suckers in the field to improve your visualization, but are struggling to see the mitral valve. How do you Proceed.
2: So I'd systematically inspect the components of the uh, bypass circuit on the field to ensure that there aren't any issues there. Uh, I would also check to see if the right atrium was distended uh, and if there was an airlock decreasing venous drainage, ensure good positioning of the venous cannulas, elevate the table um, and try to use gravity for drainage. Uh, I would also turn on suction if I was still having issues on the bypass circuit. I would also look uh, and make sure that there wasn't uh, a a persistent left superior vena cava. If no issues were identified uh, from that, I would then start to cool the patient to 32 degrees Celsius in order to decrease flows. The board loves
0: to throw you in the middle of a surgery as a scenario and make you figure out what is wrong. Do not get thrown off by this and methodically work through your algorithm for managing interoperative issues, i.e. bleeding, poor drainage, low bypass flows, etc. Begin by systematically ensuring there is no issue with the cardiopulmonary bypass circuit. Once this has been eliminated as a possibility, start looking for anatomical anomalies. If there is a left SVC causing venous return that is not being captured by your venous cannulas, you can do one of two things. There is an anomalous vein, you can encircle the vessel with a tourniquet and snare it, There is no nominate vein. You will need to directly cannulate the vein and attach it to your venous circuit. You do all of this, and there remains significant return obstructing your view and ability to proceed with the surgery. Is there anything else you can do?
2: Yeah, uh, well, one other possibility is that the patient still has uh, a patent ductus arteriosus, uh, and that would account for the increased pulmonary venous return. So if that were the case, I'd ask for an anesthesiologist to look at the TEE and evaluate specifically if there was a PDA. Uh, and at the same time, I would then invert the anterior wall of the main pulmonary artery against the area of where the duct was seen uh, and see if that helps my pulmonary venous return.
0: Although a rare finding, it is important to keep undiagnosed PDA in the back of your mind for poor visualization due to excessive pulmonary venous return. The anesthesiologist reviews the TE images and surprisingly notes a PDA that he had not seen before. He also notes that the duct appears calcified. What do you do next?
2: Well, this is an unfortunate surprise, and uh, that duct will need to be closed before proceeding with the rest of the mitral valve. So, uh, due to the fact that it's calcified, uh, it would not be safe to just simply ligate it. I would need to inform the perfusionist to begin cooling to 18 degrees Celsius in order to repair the duct uh, during a short period of, of circulatory rest.
0: There are multiple options in addressing a PDA in an adult. Transcatheter options include doing a T-bar or using a device to occlude it. You are in the OR and are unable to proceed with the originally planned mitral valve replacement. You will need to address it now, and the finding that the duct is calcified limits what you can do. A simple ligation in the calcified duct is not safe, and you will need to close it with a patch from the PA side of the duct. How would you close the PDA?
2: So I would maintain that uh, inversion of the anterior wall that I did prior with the main PA um, onto the duct to prevent runoffs, uh, just so that we were able to effectively cool. Once we were down to 18 degrees Celsius, uh, I placed my cross clamp, arrest the heart with antegrade cardioplegia, begin my period of circa arrest. Uh, I would then make a longitudinal incision along that main PA and expose the opening of the ductus. After that, I take a a patch of bovine pericardium and suture that through the opening of the uh, PA that I made onto the duct, uh, uh, effectively closing the ductus. Uh, I would then reinstitute cardiopulmonary bypass, close the pulmonary arteriotomy, and proceed with the mitral valve.
0: To cool adequately you will need to effectively manage the arterial runoff through the pda i have described inverting the mpa against the opening but you can also place tourniquets around the mpa rpa and lpa and snare them during the cooling phase to ensure adequate systemic perfusion once cooled proceed as described above and close the pa opening of the duct with a patch dacron cortex pericardium treated in glutaraldehyde or bovine pericardium are all acceptable and D, air, to ensure no air in the systemic circulation. Okay, let us change the scenario. You were consulted by the NICU for a baby boy born at 30 weeks and currently weighs 1.5 kilograms. The NICU has struggled to wean the vent and asked for your opinion after they heard a murmur on exam. How would you evaluate the patient?
2: So I'd, of course, begin with a focused history of physical, specifically looking at the birth history, family history, any possible known cardiac conditions, as well as any feeding issues. Uh, On exam, I would listen to the heart and lungs and pay close attention to the location and the timing of of the murmur, and then I would review uh, their chest x-ray and order a transthoracic echo.
0: Knowing the different murmurs associated with congenital heart defects is critical for delineating the diagnosis. Left-to-right shunts will have systolic murmurs, A VSD is associated with a holosystolic murmur, which differs from an ASD, which has a fixed split S2 heart sound, and a PDA, which is usually described as a machine-like holosystolic murmur. The EKG will show varying degrees of left-axis deviation, chest x-ray will show cardiomegaly, and the amount of pulmonary vascular markings will depend on the size of the left-right shunt. TTE is the diagnostic study of choice. It will demonstrate size of the PDA and if there is any LA or LV dilatation. There's no pertinent history. They report no feeding issues and report no episodes of suspected neck. On exam, you hear a machine-like holosystolic murmur. The chest x-ray shows cardiomegaly and associated increased pulmonary vascular markings. The TTE shows a PDA with left-to-right flow and left atrial dilation and no other associated cardiac defects. How would you proceed?
2: So the first thing I'd want to do is try to... uh close this medically, so I would talk to the NICU about uh, attempting a closure using uh, medication. If that were not possible, then we would need to do a surgical closure. Um, I'd make sure that there were no contraindications to medical closure and uh, then proceed with giving uh, a seat of medicine.
0: Indications for closure of a PDA. include PDA with symptoms, i.e. feeding intolerance, Inability to wean mechanical ventilation or necrotizing enterocolitis, PDA with evidence of LA or LV dilation, and a prior episode of endocarditis. Medical closure is routinely done with acetaminophen in the current era. This is usually administered 15 milligrams per kilogram IV every six hours for up to seven days, but can vary by institution. They are unlikely to ask you the dose. Progress is checked with routine TTE. Other medications include indomethacin and ibuprofen. Contraindications to medical closure include renal dysfunction, neck, coagulopathy, thrombocytopenia, active bleeding, or infection. You attempt medical closure with acetaminophen for five days, but no change in the size of the duct is noted on TTE. How would you perform surgical closure?
2: Uh, So for a surgical closure, I place the patient in the right lateral decubitus position and perform a left posterior lateral thoracotomy in the fourth intercostal space. Uh, I would open the pleura overlying the aorta and reflect it anteriorly uh, to retract the lung out of the way. I would then identify the descending aorta, aortic arch, left subclavian artery, the PDA, as well as the left pulmonary artery and the recurrent laryngeal nerve. I would uh, perform minimal dissection around the PDA and test occlude the duct with fine forceps and look for improvement in the diastolic pressure. Once this was uh, confirmed, then I would ligate the duct with a single clip and uh, I'd place a chest tube and close.
0: Percutaneous closure is another alternative and can be mentioned. It is unlikely the examiner will say the PDA is amenable to percutaneous device closure. Okay, let's say you test occlude the duct and the patient acutely becomes hypotensive and hypoxic. What do you do?
2: So I'd begin by first releasing my test clamping um, and take the forceps off. Uh, but I would make sure that uh, I was absolutely certain that it was the PDA and not the left main pulmonary artery or the aorta, which can happen by mistake. Um, if I had occluded and was sure that it was the PDA, then I would be worried that the patient had some form of ductal-dependent circulation. Uh, So at that point, I would need to abort the procedure and continue um, to search out what that is with more diagnostic workup.
0: This can mean a few things. You may have occluded the wrong vessel, and making sure you have the anatomy clearly delineated is key. If you ensure that you have occluded the PDA, then this means the diagnosis is wrong and the patient needs their PDA. Get out of there and do not ligate the duct. Okay, same patient, but as you deploy the clip, a tear is made in the duct and seems to go back towards the LPA. There is a large volume of blood obscuring your view.
2: So um, I would need to first get that view back. So I would have my assistant place a sponge stick into the space uh, to try and tamponade the bleed. At the same time, I would open the pleura and trace the left PA back to the mediastinum and repair the tear in the left PA uh, with interrupted proline sutures.
0: You are in a bad spot. This was a tiny, premature baby. You did not move the patient to the OR, and you are trying to ligate the duct in the NICU. There is no pump ready. You need to stop the bleeding before they exsanguinate. Have your assistant stick a sponge stick where the bleeding is coming from to tamponade. Incise the pleura and track the LPA into the mediastinum. Repair the tear in the LPA primarily with interrupted proline and oversew the pulmonary side of the PDA with more proline. If you happen to be in the OR and have an older patient giving heparin and doing partial left heart bypass via descending aorta and left atrium is another alternative. Okay, same patient. Surgery is completed without issue. NICU calls you on post-op day three to tell you they have started feeding the child and milky fluid has started to drain from the chest tube.
2: So I'm suspicious that this is a chyle leak. So I'd send the fluid for triglycerides and cell count. Once it was confirmed that it was a chyle leak, I transitioned the child to a low-fat formula and continued to measure the chest tube output. If output remained high on a low-fat formula, I would make the patient NPO and start TPN. If the output still remained high. I would need to plan for a thoracic duct ligation.
0: Chylothorax is a common complication following PDA ligation. It is unlikely to be related to an injury to the thoracic duct and is more likely leaking from a tributary along the aorta. Conservative management is usually successful and a trial of low-fat formula should be attempted prior to proceeding to MPOTPN or returning to the OR for thoracic duct ligation. You start a low-fat formula and the output decreases. You are able to remove the chest tube on post-operative day 7, and the child does well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Behind the
1: Knife Premium
0: Oral Board Review. Dominate the
1: day.